Hello and welcome to the Android Central Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, the EU wants to make USB-C the charging standard for every single phone in the union. Uh, I think that applies to one manufacturer more than the others. We'll talk about why this is a really big deal, or maybe it won't be. It depends on uh, what, what Apple decides to do. There are a bunch of new Android features that are launching today and rolling out over the next few weeks. They're not tied to any particular Android version. This is what Jerry wrote about on the weekend, all about how Google Play Services is the new Android platform. This is the perfect example yep. of that. We will dig into I it. I think they read it, apparently. They read your article and they decided to launch 14 new features <laughs> just for you. We are, we are also talking about the new Microsoft Surface products, the Surface Duo 2, the Surface Go 3, the Surface Pro 8, and the new Surface Laptop Studio. I don't even know what the hell this thing is, but it looks super cool. We'll also talk a little bit about um, the upcoming Pixel Folds. There are two of them, apparently. This will be interesting. And then uh, the first Pixel 6 leak in person. We saw it. Somebody twirled it seven seconds long, but it's on video. So it, it's it's here out in the world. And then if we have some time, we will talk about uh, a follow-up to last week's discussion around Oppo and OnePlus. Oppo and OnePlus are joining forces. They're talking a little bit about how they're unifying Oxygen OS and ColorOS into a single software platform. We have a really good story on the site all about that. So joining me to talk about this, R. Wagner, how are you? I'm good. There's actually somebody in my apartment right now. It's so weird to podcast when there are actually people here. But my uh, my dad came to visit. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like you're just like letting a maintenance guy in. No, 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 no. No, my dad came to visit. Fixing, fixing well, a bathroom I mean, or something. Dads are usually good maintenance guys too. <laughs> That's Let's, true. That's fair. Yes. I learned most of what I do uh, in the house through like dad YouTube channels, where it's just like <laughs> a friendly, a friendly older gentleman talking about like how to use, you know, wall anchors properly. And you're just like, oh, that's that's so nice. I want to be his friend. And uh, Jerry Hillenbrand, how are you? I am. I'm okay. I've been better, but I'm I'm. Yeah, you've making had a, it. You've had a week. You've had a you've had a week. Yeah. We can we can dive into that a little bit if if you want to. But uh, glad you're here. Really, really. Glad I am you're glad here. I'm here too. Um, and then Nick Nick Sutrick, welcome back. How are you? Fantastic. Hopefully, uh, less echoey or, you know, whatever you're, is wrong. You're less echoey. Jim is not going to hate <laughs> you as much this week. Our, That's our, great. Our, uh, producer sends me some, um, terse feedback about our audio quality when it's not up to par. So we, we got you some sound dampening foam yeah, just for that. I have purpose. lots of fabric hexagons in my face right now. It's, it's hexagons. It's, it's trippy. It's almost futuristic. Whoa. The only thing they need to do is light up and have a razor logo on them, and I'm set. You know, building yeah. glue out of them. I think Nano Leaf needs to launch like these sound dampening foams that also have LEDs in them that you can program. I think that's an untapped market. I, I think you ought cool. to patent that before they do it. Mm, I'll just let them do it. They've already they already have the platform. They just need to add sound dampening foam to whatever they do. So uh, that's a free one for you guys. All right, let's dive in, Jerry. Uh, just today, the EU announced that it has plans, if um, approved through their uh, through the the regulatory bottles and, and through the 
bodies, not bottles, through um, their their process of of uh, approving union wide uh, legislation to get rid of anything that isn't USB C. That means that all products, specifically phones, um, would need to charge using a common standard, and that standard would be USB C. Now. Most, if not all, phones sold in the U, U and the EU right now charge via USB-C, except for one company's products, and that's Apple. Now we've heard many times over the years that Apple is would probably get rid of Lightning or a charging port altogether before it adopts USB-C for its phones. But just last week, Apple added USB-C to its iPad Mini. It doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that it forced into a corner and not yet ready to launch a portless phone, it would launch an iPhone 14 with USB-C next year, maybe in the EU. Uh, let's just talk about what the um, what what some of these leaders are saying in the EU. Uh, Margret Vestager, who is the executive vice president for a, um, a, a an organization called Europe Fit for the Digital Age, uh, and also somebody who who was um ahead of the uh the 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 fines that were levied against Google um a couple of years ago she said that european consumers were frustrated long enough about incompatible chargers piling up in their drawers we gave industry plenty of time to come up with their own solutions now time is ripe for legislative action for a common charger so let's talk about that what does that actually mean for the consumer today the language, the first thing that strikes me is we all know what they mean when they say a common charger. But when you just say a common charger, that's the part that plugs into the wall. And Apple's part that plugs into the wall already has a USB-C port. I guarantee somebody at Apple is saying, well, we, we already meet that standard just because of the way it's worded. Uh, but I'm throwing that away because that's even I'm not going to go that far and say that they're compliant. Uh, I I think this is good and bad. It's really good for consumers. And usually that's that's where I think first, because these companies have plenty of money and can afford to eat a little bit of it to change over to something that's better for us. Right. But on the other hand, it's not unsafe. The, the lightning system, we'll, I'll call it, isn't unsafe. So does a government really need to step in and tell a company how they have to do things? I'm torn on this. Uh, if, if I used an iPhone, I would totally want it to have a USB-C connector. I, you know, as a consumer for sure, but as somebody who thinks, you know, governments should exist to serve people in many different ways, but is, convenience by forcing another company to do something one of the things it should be doing and i'm I'm not i'm not sure i have to be honest yeah i get that i think it's important to establish what the eu is proposing here specifically they're talking about a a harmonized charging port for electronic devices so do they say they they do somewhere they do use the word charger but they are also talking about the port in the client product, so the phone yeah, itself. Good. They're not proposing this for cheaper products like wireless headphones, which can and still do use micro USB 
Um, it, it has to be, and it's also not proposing anything that primarily charges wirelessly. It has to be something that does use a wired charger. So this would really just apply to phones. And as Basically. a result, it would have the largest impact on Apple's products. They're also, char- they're also proposing harmonized fast charging technology. As we know, there are a lot of different proprietary fast charging tech that is that uses USB-C as an endpoint, but OnePlus, Xiaomi, uh, Huawei, Qualcomm, they all have their own fast charging standards. This would be the biggest impact in the Android ecosystem, right? Because you have all of these companies yeah. being forced to harmonize likely around USB-C power delivery and um, PPS, which is the open standard. And currently, Ara, as you know, the only company that actually uses this to any extent is Samsung. So that would be a bigger change. Power delivery is also an open standard. And the thing for Oppo and Xiaomi and all them is most of those phones still work with power delivery. Like if you have a OnePlus 9 Pro and you don't have your warp charger handy, you can still stick it into a power delivery charger. It won't get the highest of high speeds, but it'll work with it. And so long as you will work with power delivery, I think that those companies are going to be fine. It's more a matter of, okay, if you're not using USB-C for the port on the phone, that needs to change. Yeah. But power delivery has been the standard for laptops. It's been the tablet. It's the standard now for tablets too. Um, A growing number of accessories from wireless headphones to whatever else to e-readers is going USB-C. It makes literally no sense that Apple has not gone the same route so we can just the EU has been uh, has been coaching a lot of this in terms of e-waste. The biggest thing about changing from Lightning to USB is that it's going to initially create a large amount of e-waste when people buy the new iPhone. By the way, this wouldn't impact iPhone 14 because the EU has said this would be companies would have two years to have this take effect. So this would be for the iPhone 15, not the 14. But it's also one of those things that it's going to generate a short. Uh, it's going to generate a burst of e-waste in the immediate short term, but then it's going to create less e-waste overall because instead of gas stations and department stores and all of them having to carry three different kinds of cables, micro USB, USB-C, and lightning, they can just carry USB-C. They can just have the one kind of cable and it'll work with everything. Something really interesting. If you recall a couple episodes ago, we were, or maybe last episode, we were wondering why, you know, Apple's so reluctant to switch over and we all had our theories somebody on twitter messaged me the most simple solution that's probably the right one if you have an iphone and it has a USB-C port in the bottom you're going to expect anything that you can plug into anything else with a USB-C port to just work and that that's already not possible on like an ipad pro so that makes a lot of sense to me apple doesn't want you know, you to be able to think that you can just plug uh, any camera or a USB-C microphone or anything into an iPhone and then it doesn't work. That makes the company look like their products are bad. I don't know what it makes it look like, but it's just not going to work. And that that I thought was probably a very likely scenario. I mean, Apple's already done this to some extent by carving out the within the USB within its iPad lineup, its Pro line supports USB C and Thunderbolt, and 
the cheaper iPad Air and yep. now iPad Mini just supports USB-C sans Thunderbolt. So within USB-C, it's not like it's a panacea of compatibility, right? USB 4 is hoping to standardize this and make Thunderbolt unnecessary because it's a it's an open standard. Yeah. But USB 4 is very it's a nascent it's a nascent standard. It has not been rolled out very widely. Um, it's still very complicated. And it's going to impact OEMs differently because, you know, um, I mean, Microsoft, for example, when it when it launched its new Surface products yesterday, those run on Thunderbolt and they have Thunderbolt supports the first time uh, they've ever had it. But they're still, you know, they're, they're still kind of slow off the mark and it'll take a long time for older Windows laptops to catch up. Right. Um, it, it's just, it just feels like this is... I think this is a good step towards standardization, but it's it's certainly USB-C itself is no, um, it's not a perfect standard at all. Yeah. Now, the 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 fast charging thing, though, that the EU is proposing, I, I can get behind that because, God, I'm showing my age here. Remember the Pixel C? Yes. Uh, it, it launched at the same time as the HTC 10, one of my favorite phones of all time, which was also USB-C. But it was Qualcomm USB-C, and I plugged my Pixel C charger into my HTC 10 and ended up having to throw it in the freezer. It was getting so hot, the screen was starting to discolor, and you couldn't touch it. And it's because those two charging standards were in no way compatible. Yeah, I didn't know which direction to send that, uh, yep. that current. Now, everybody's moved past that, you know, hopefully, but still... That 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 is a potential safety issue. Who else has old junk in their drawer? Well, the bigger thing there is Jerry. When the HTC 10 and the Pixel C were out, both of those used USB C before the spec was standardized and finalized, right? Yeah, I, I think at that point it was just the the cable connection specifications. Yeah. There was no USB 3.0 standardization yet. But yeah. uh, the issue turned out to be. Qualcomm did it one way. Uh, Google tried to anticipate what the USB consortium was going to do, and the two just didn't match. It, it was not a good thing at all. Yeah, but we've reached the point where that's less of a thing these days, especially with the more recent revisions to the USB connector standard, because they've had to keep adapting and adapting to build in safety protocols and whatnot. So that way, cables don't, uh, so that way, devices can't pull down more. Uh, more power than they can use right. and also to ensure that you get the right charging profile depending on what you're plugging a USB-C cable into. But if you go through your old drawer and you find an old Pixel C tablet and you say, hey, this is really cool. I'm going to charge it up and see if it still works and plug it into something that makes it catch fire. It doesn't really matter how far things have progressed. Jerry, People how still many have Pixel C still power on? Uh, they I'd be more concerned about people who with. have an old Pixel C charger trying to plug in their modern yeah, phone. Yeah, th that too. Pe people keep old junk, and this is a safety issue. I well, like it. But on phones, most phones have safeguards in place. If I plug in a cable that is not working right, Samsung will tell me and will not charge through it. They will say, hey, something's up with this cable. We aren't using it. Because that's happened yeah, to me and before. And that happens when you get debris in the USB-C port too. We have more safety standards that are already built in. 
I wonder why Samsung's taking charging safety more seriously these days. I wonder yeah. if something happened to force their hand. So, I mean, I, I totally, I, I think this is a big deal. As Ara mentioned, it's going to take a couple of years. If this is passed through the European um, Parliament, it will it'll go into effect in a couple of years. So you're right; it won't it won't impact anything released in 2023. And uh, Apple's going to find a way. They're going to find a way to get out of it again. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so <laughs> here's the question then, right? Does Apple spend a year with two iPhones, SKUs, one with a USB-C port in the EU and the rest of the world with Lightning? No. Or does it just get rid of the port altogether in time for this ruling to go into effect and become MagSafe slash Qi only and adapt MagSafe for data transfer? Or you know that does well, it do work something else? I, I, what's what's stopping them from including a lightning to USB C adapter in every box next time around? Well, th- that's then, what they have to do now in the EU, right? I mean, so you know, then all of your stuff that currently uses lightning just works with the new model because it uses the little adapter, and you're good to go. I mean, we dealt with that crap with the 3.5 millimeter jack. But, I still I still use it, but lightning <laughs> is. It's slower for data transfer. It's slower for speeds for charging. We know that Lightning is basically a dead end as a connection. It's not going to be used in any more Apple products apart from maybe a couple of accessories and the iPhone. And even the iPhone, its days are numbered. Apple already uses power delivery. It already uses USB-C power delivery on a wide number of its devices. And it uses power delivery through the Lightning to USB-C connector on the iPhone which is why we have a surge of 20-watt power delivery chargers that were specifically made for the iPhone 12 and 13. So Apple already does 80% of this. I don't get why that last 20% of actually putting the port in the phone is going to be such a kicking and screaming decision for them. I can almost guarantee what Apple will do in the long run is adapt MagSafe to replicate everything that Lightning does. But would MagSafe still solidify the ruling from the EU? Because that would still be... MagSafe would not... But they specifically mentioned devices that aren't designed to be wirelessly charged. If your iPhone has no port, it's a wirelessly charged device. Would MagSafe count in that regard, though? Yes, it has to. There's There's no plug, there's no port. And MagSafe... I mean, I, 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 I have an electrical engineering degree. I wasn't a very good electrical engineer. I had turned out writing software instead. But I know you can transfer data across the small gap. And, and not just like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. You can literally transmit that data. I've, I've seen it done. I'm not exactly sure how it's done. But I guarantee a company like Apple knows exactly how it could be done. I also think, as, as Nick mentioned, this proposal of like, okay, well, what if Apple just puts a lightning to USB-C adapter in the box and call it a day? There are, A, yeah, they're already doing that. But B, the proposal says, I don't, I don't think there's much ambiguity here. It says, to ultimately have a common charger, full interoperability is required on both sides of the cable, the electronic device and the external power supply. The interoperability on the device end, which is by far the biggest challenge, will be achieved by today's proposal. So that tells me it would not allow 
a lightning port to exist on the iPhone, even if there's a char- a, an adapter in the box. So yeah, I think you're right, Jerry. They're probably going to make that difficult decision just to go MagSafe, all in on MagSafe. But I think, this is just a, an educated guess, I don't think they'll be ready in time for this proposal if it gets approved this year it'll go into effect at the end of the good news is that if it goes into effect at the end of 2023 the iPhone 15 will have already been launched yep. so it may only impact the iPhone 16 in 2024 and then maybe we're talking okay Apple's ready to go all in on MagSafe but it's possible there may be a year where they have an iPhone with a USB-C port in the EU and a lightning port in the rest of the world man i just can't see apple doing that because that that eats profit margins when you have to, you know, right now people are talking about how many different SKUs the iPhone 13 has and how that's such a departure. Sure. And that that eats the profit margins when you have to start doing that. I mean, you're also talking about a company now that acquiesces to Russia and China yeah. in particular ways, right? Changes software and hardware loads. They add specific technology in the Japanese iPhone that allows people to pay using their proprietary, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Their barrier, um, right? Yeah, no, no, but it's um, it's public transport system that they have, like oh. a proprietary payment system. Uh, I don't know if that's integrated into all iPhones now, but for a while they were adapting it specifically for the Japanese market. And I just think, like, if they have to do it, they'll suck it up and do it for a year, and they'll protest and and say that this is not the iPhone that we want to sell. You know, you're better off importing it or something, but they'll do it because they have to. I just want to see the internet explode if they ever release an iPhone without a port. I mean, they will. They got to eventually. I just can't wait because it's going to be, I mean, one side against the other. It's going to be hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, more, more to come on this. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on. Uh, Nick, give us a rundown of all of these features that are launching, starting today, but rolling out over the next few months. There's a lot. So give us the yeah. high level. Some are just Android features that will be available to most phones running either Android six or above, or for kind of more complex stuff, Android eleven and above. There's some accessibility uh, improvements, and then there's some f- some specifically focused on Android Auto and uh, driving. Yep. So uh, the first thing they talked about in their little blog post, right, was the accessibility features, which are pretty fascinating. So we have um, a lot of different ways to control your phone, right? You have um, eye movements, uh, mouth movements, uh, different uh, things you can say. Um, So this is, uh, I guess, sort of building on what they have been doing with, you know, using Assistant to add more hands-free type of stuff to your phone, um, but this specifically addresses um, people with that need accessibility features. You know, maybe they don't have full use of their hands or something like that and have difficulty, you know, swiping on the phone screen or something. So um, there's a lot in there. Um, I think we probably have a little more detailed info on the site because there are quite a few new things, but uh, some very interesting stuff that they're doing with that. And And I would love to see how well those work too, because... I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking about controlling my phone with my eyes and how odd that must be, right? Just maybe even difficult, I'm not sure. That that was a thing they started way back when Project Tango first launched. 
I actually went to a panel at Google, an accessibility panel about demonstrating some of this stuff. They have been working a long time, so hopefully that means it's going to work well. Yeah, I mean, if if their AR stuff that was born through Tango is any indication, then yes, hopefully that means this works very well because they have uh, definitely developed quite a few cool things off of that. Um, the next thing is controlling your TV with your phone. I think this is only on TVs that are powered by Google TV or Android TV. I don't think it applies to um, like if you have a, you know, a Chromecast stick or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, basic... it's only Android and Google TV. Yeah. Yeah, that's because it's figured. done through okay. the Google TV app. And they, yeah. and they actually launched this at I.O., but it's only rolling out now. OK, yeah, I wasn't sure if maybe they could do some of this stuff through HDMI CEC because, you know, you can ask your your Google Home or whatever to turn your TV on and off, adjust things like that. But it's pretty simplistic. This is a lot more advanced. So there's a new quick tile. Um, it's a TV remote quick tile. You can drop on, you know, your pull down menu and it brings up a full screen interface. It has like a touchpad. It's got a couple of other buttons on there. The whole point is, you know, you don't need to have a dedicated remote for a lot of these TVs. You can have your phone used for this. And now that it's on a quick tile, it's actually a little more convenient because, I don't know, some of the previous options where you have to go find your TV remote app and then you can't remember what it's called or some ridiculous thing is not great. <laughs> so that's that's nice to see that rolling out. Um, some additional reminder stuff for Google Assistant. I swear I've used some of these things before. But, right? Uh, like, I thought this was already there. <laughs> it was. Apple, I mean, the remote Google was never really least. explains, like, if something is, sl- like, if it's a, a troll out that was just a year late, and now they're officially rolling it out to everybody, or if this is actually a net new feature, I, I, I don't get it. This yeah, is not a net new feature. This is them getting rid of that standalone, clunky, never really optimized for tall screens uh, Android TV remote app that they used to have. So now they're no, 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 bu- we're talking about reminders. Oh. I think what's new with reminders is now it's a, you can ask assistant to open all your reminders. But that yeah, was already a so. thing. Because the reminders pay, yeah, I, I thought could, so. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna set off people's alarm or the people's devices. So mute this for a second if you need to. Okay, Google, show me my reminders. Assuming it can understand me, it does and yeah, it just okay. it shows me a list of them. And if you click then more reminders, know. it takes you to a page that they've had for all right, literally so years. Some of this stuff was none maybe, of the rest of this is new. None right. of it is. Right, but some of this stuff was maybe like, oh, it's only on this version of Android, or oh, it's only for Pixel oh, phones. Maybe. So this is probably just them rolling it out to more more phones. You know, maybe somebody that's still running Android eight or something. I don't know. Um, that doesn't say that because lower down in in the section here, we'll get to like, uh, you know, this Pixel exclusive um, locked folder in Google Photos is now rolling out to additional phones. Right, so that's where. You can hide certain photos in your Google Photos if you, you know, don't want somebody seeing it, if you're just scrolling through and showing them something. Um, so some new phones are getting that. It, I guess it's any device. Again, doesn't really specify, but it used to be Pixel only. It's not Pixel only anymore, etc. Um, they are also updating um, some Android Auto stuff. So you have a new Waze interface on Android Auto. I guess it's just 
Uh, the map is easier to read. You won't be so distracted when it's on. You don't have to look at it maybe as hard to find stuff. I know, at least when I use Waze, it was always kind of hazardous trying to hit the button and select, oh, the cop is on the other side of the road or something. So I I don't... <laughs> that needs to be handled by Google Assistant. Like, yeah. when you're driving, reporting stuff to Waze absolutely needs to be something that is handled by Assistant. Right. So I don't... I, I mean, I haven't seen this interface yet, so I don't know if they fixed that. But I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of it. They, they also added uh, some games you can play while you're parked or, you know, waiting for a to-go order or something, which I, I don't know. I mean, maybe five uh, people will use that. <laughs> but, that's so. five too many. Don't be <laughs> fiddling with stuff while you're in your car, people. If you're parked in the drive-thru, cool. But if you even if you have the if you car, have the car in drive, none of those games should engage, period. Yeah, most likely they won't. I mean, again, this oh, this is just... What? Five minutes after it happens, you can look on Reddit and see how to disable the the thing that. Oh, makes they already it have so the thing won't... to disable the parking yeah. brake remind or uh, parking brake requirements, which is right bad, and people shouldn't do that. And please, please drive responsibly, people. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to go into it, so it's fine. Next, next, Gboard, and yet, and yet they're launching games. I just don't. This part, I don't. Yeah. Think. <laughs> games yeah. on your freaking I mean this is like what They're Tesla's doing been doing to compete with Tesla yeah but still I don't get it well if Elon Musk jumped off a bridge would yeah they probably would <laughs> maybe all right the the next one makes me very sad about not using Gboard on my Fold 3 because they have now added additional things to make Gboard work better so the um emoji kitchen now has 1,500 more stickers. So that's the whole thing where you put in maybe like two or three emojis and then it pops up a little sort of sticker pop-up that combines the emojis. So in their example, they have a crying emoji and an owl and then it brings up an owl that's crying and then additional owls that do other things. They're silly, but they're fun and that's the whole point of emojis. So it fits. Um, They're also uh, doing the autocomplete. So when you start typing out a sentence sort of like how you have in Gmail or some other Google products. The key, um, Gboard will now do autocomplete where you just swipe right on the keyboard and it fills in what it thinks you're saying. So I guess we can be lazier now and maybe spell better. So, you know, it'd be nice to see people spell spell, spell better. Wow. <laughs> and smell better, apparently. And smell better, apparently. Well, I guess we're all used to working from home. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> I I really would love to see... Google still add a split keyboard on Gboard. My gosh, especially if they're going to be doing foldables. Just do it, Google. Maybe um, they will when they do a foldable. I don't know. If they ever do a foldable, sure, whatever. Nearby Share has some more updates. Um, I previously thought this stuff was Android 12 only, but it seems like it is additional. Um, maybe rolling back to further versions of Android. Um, I don't know how far back it's going to be going. I imagine it's similar settings, although the Android 12 interface is probably a bit nicer looking. I think the whole point here is you can pick to share between everyone in your vicinity, just your contacts, etc. And it's a lot easier to use than the current nearby share that is also accessible via your quick tiles. Um, so that's fun. And then, of course, you have look up, which is... Uh, I think we were talking about this before. We th- we thought this was maybe a renamed feature, but 
The idea here is as you're using your phone and walking around typing, it's going to pop up a little notification that says, hey, you need to look up or you're going to, you know, run into something. <laughs> so it's keeping us from running into light poles or whatever, I suppose. I mean, I've had this kick in a couple of times when I've been using a pixel and it is actually quite good. It's it's pretty accurate at like figuring out how to prevent you from killing yourself. Um, I also want to just go back to talking about nearby share because nearby share is very good. It's a very, now it's turned into a pretty robust file sharing um, infrastructure. And the fact that you said you didn't, you didn't know which versions this would be supporting. It goes all the way back to Android six, which means that this is a play services based update good. rolling out to millions, hundreds of millions of phones. That's excellent. This is basically like, um, Google's or Android's version of AirDrop, and it works just as well. And the fact that Google can, through an update to Play Services, back you know retroactively add this feature to hundreds of millions of phones without needing a software update is a huge, huge accomplishment. Uh, especially since the feature itself works really well. They're now adding you can add um, kind of group availability. So if you want to send it to um, a large kind of broadcast, you can do that. You can limit your sharing to just one other person or uh, keep your own availability to one or a group. Like there's a lot of granular settings now as well that you can do with with nearby share. It's it's one of those things that just works and when you need it, it's there. And I'm excited that more um, more companies will just start using nearby share as opposed to relying on their own proprietary sharing. Uh, infrastructure like Samsung, um, so I, I think this is a this is sort of like a a really big deal that won't be that won't get the amount of attention it deserves. Yeah, and that that is definitely a positive because I know for a while there it was like we had Samsung Share and Huawei Share and I don't know who else somebody else Share. <laughs> Droid Zap. Right. And then you had to have, oh, well, this only works with Motorola phones. Oh, this only works with Huawei phones. You can't share nearby with anybody. And it was ridiculous. So it's that that's a nice thing to see, because I know for a while there we were sort of relying on NFC to you know tap the back of the phone and share, which was nice. Dear but it was God. slow. The, oh, my gosh, it was slow. The, the access controls are a good thing. The, the more that Google can put in there to make sure you're not exposed, the better. I remember when uh, AirDrop first came out, I forget where we were, but uh, you know, it, you could shut AirDrop on or off. There was no real access control. And I think it was probably at a Google I.O. Everybody with a MacBook was just getting the dumbest stuff because, you know, people are clowns. Naturally, I'm a clown. I know it. But you can't have that because there's you can also send harmful or horrible things. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've been in that situation where, you know, you're on a Mac or something and you're somewhere and all of a sudden you have this thing pop up and. You, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know that I want to accept this from some random individual somewhere in this crowd. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't think that'll happen as often on Android as it will on on the iPhone because fewer people know about nearby share right well airdrop plus, is like a brand right but plus when you hit nearby share you then select who you're sharing with so it's not like it's on or off it's literally 
click nearby share, click everyone or whatever. And then in, at least on Android 12, the way I've used it, it's only on for a certain period of time and then it automatically shuts off again. So you're not just getting spammed. It's it's an intentional sharing thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some of Microsoft's new phone phones. Some One of Microsoft's new phones is the size of two phones and their right. other Surface products. If you're trying to build a brilliant AI, you need a Turing test. How about if you're trying to hire a brilliant thinker? You need Indeed assessments. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, a job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skill tests to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more job hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com ACP. Get a $75 credit. Go to Indeed.com ACP. Indeed.com ACP offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Ara. Uh, yesterday, Microsoft holds a virtual event. I think the, the the biggest announcement from a mainstream perspective was obviously the Surface Pro Eight, slimmer bezels, USB um, USB C, faster, 120 hertz support, etc. There's the new Surface Go Three. Again, just a really nice, inexpensive Windows laptop. Um, there's the new Surface Laptop Studio, which kind of looks like that Concept D that Acer released a little while ago. Um, and then there's the Surface Duo, Surface Duo 2. So the Duo 2 is the successor to the Duo. It's refined in a lot of ways. It has a slight curvature to the display. So it looks like there's slimmer, there's less space between the two screens when the hinges all the way open. It's still $1,500. But now at least it has cameras that work. It's got a <laughs> Snapdragon 888 with 5G. Um, give us kind of uh, your impressions of of everything that Microsoft announced yesterday. Well, I'm I'm going to start off with the Service Go three by saying inex uh, by saying inexpensive is subjective because the four hundred dollar version of the Surface Go three is still going to be kind of a trashy Pentium processor. So the what everybody was excited for with the Surface Go three was the i three model. And that's going to be 600 bucks. So. Which is still like a relative, like if you think about, I guess it depends on like what you consider a decent performer in the Windows space. But like a $600 laptop is not that much. Whereas on a on the Chromebook side, that's like actually quite expensive. Yeah, well, the Surface Go 3, the i3 version will probably compete pretty decently with the new iPad mini. Uh, the biggest thing here is that we're going to get an, a Surface Go 3. The i3 model means that even though it's going to be more expensive than it maybe should be, 
this is going to be powerful enough for people that were like, okay, I I love this portability. I love this size of a tablet because some people really do like small tablets. Um, so this will be good enough for them. It'll allow them to get what they need done because the i3 and the 8 gigabytes of RAM will actually give you enough power to get what you need done quickly as opposed to the Pentium processor and the four gigabytes of RAM on previous models that didn't really give you enough to work with. So that will be nice, especially since the surface type keyboard or the the go uh the surface keyboards are still some of the best keyboards for tablets out there today. Like I I'm not a big fan of Windows 11, but I love that surface type keyboard. Which is an extra $130. <laughs> 400. There are two versions of the keyboard case one is 100 one is 130 but yes mm. yeah it doesn't still too much it still should come with it in the box yes yes i'm very happy that chrome os tablets this year have been like oh yeah we've we've learned from our mistake mistakes keyboard and kickstand come in the box all right so surface go 3 it's still too much but you can you can kind of get away with the cheaper model if you don't need it for anything more than browsing um we we can kind of gloss over the other two because they're laptops. We don't really talk about Windows laptops on on the show. Let's talk about the Surface Duo 2. So this is a successor to the Surface Duo that came out last year. Um, The Surface Duo, if you recall, was originally supposed to launch alongside the Surface Neo, which was a Windows 10X product. That got shelved when Windows 10X got discontinued and rolled up into Windows 11. The Duo 2, it's... I would say the only way that they could have followed up to the Surface Duo is with these kinds of like minor refinements, better software, brighter screen, uh, slightly slimmer bezels, a more, um, you know, a, a much better camera system, better cases that don't require you to like, you know, put glue on the side of your uh, <laughs> no, phone. No, we'll leave for... that to the Fold 3 these days. Well, that they do that too, but like I'm, with the with the duo, it was a bumper all the way around, so you literally had to glue the entire mm-hmm. thing. It was bad. Uh, you get a Snapdragon eight eighty eight. You get um, much better Surface Pen support. You get an improved hinge, five G, and all of that will not matter unless the software keeps up. And Microsoft is finally promising that Android eleven on this is actually a pretty good experience. They they did everything that they needed to do. You're right. They did everything they could do, but it's such a, and nobody's going to care about this. Uh, and, and yeah, no, not they're They're not going to sell 50 million fold threes. No, they're not even going to sell 50,000 fold threes. Okay. Yeah. But, but however many fold threes they sell is going to be 10 times the amount of surface duo twos. Oh, sorry. Sorry. They're not going to sell. Sorry, I thought you meant Surface Duo too. They're not going to sell fifty million fold threes, but they're certainly going to sell a million fold threes. If yeah, not more. and but, it's it's because Microsoft is. I don't know. I, I, every time I see one of their presentations, no matter how hard they try to be more relevant to the average consumer, it seems like somebody somewhere behind the scenes still thinks Microsoft is for the Fortune five hundred crowd. And yeah, the the Surface Duo 2 presentation started out good. Showed us great shots of the product, told us how much, you know, better it is. Without saying that the first one was bad, I thought they did a good job at that too. 
We know it was bad. They didn't have to say it. But they did not give me any reason to want that over a fold three. There's nothing, no, nothing sexy. They, they put zero sex appeal into the way they market this product. And th- that's what sells. I mean, I, it, it's a shame. I think it looks like a pretty good product. I don't know that I'd spend $1,500 on one. But if if I had to buy a folding phone, I still think I'd look at it first. But I don't think most people will. See, I like that it is a totally different form factor than I yeah. think most any other foldable phone that we're looking at. I mean, it, it, LG was really the only one that did something similar to this. And well, LG, so. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah. So this one, correct me if I'm wrong, was being sold a little more as a phone versus the original. They super danced around that. It was like basically, well, you know, they called it a companion device. They didn't even call it a phone. That's what I mean. Like they had you could, but that's not what they marketed towards versus this is much more like, hey, we're making this your everyday device. Right. It's It's, got cameras you want to use. Right. Yeah. Now, now it's still awkward because there's no screen on the front, which is it's just weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that. It's it's strange. But when it comes to a folding phone, it's not going to have the appeal that the fold does. Maybe they assume that we all have Bluetooth headsets on our heads and whatever. It's just it's, I not, don't know. it's not a big deal to hold a phone up anymore. I just I, I, I saw a huge lost lost opportunity there. And the way I think of it is I'm not any sort of marketing genius. And if I can see where they missed out, then somebody else totally should have thought about this in advance. What do we need to do to make this punchy and make people want to buy one? Not just curious. Oh, look, this new thing. Make people want to buy it without even, you know, seeing it. Get the interest stirred up. And and I don't think they did that. Probably not. I will say the Surface Duo 2 looks slightly more durable than the Fold 3 since it's the two separate screens. None of the screens here are bendy. So I predict that the Surface Duo 2 might not sell as well as the Fold 3, but the units will probably last a little bit longer, especially if you can get proper, decent cases on it this year. But also the thing for me, the one thing that they did that I thought looked actually kind of interesting was the edge display when it's closed. So that way you yes. can see like, okay, here's yeah. how much battery I have left. Here's my incoming calls. Here's how many notifications I have. If they had put caller ID on that little strip and then had right. a earpiece at the top and a, mount- and a microphone at the bottom of the back of the front of the phone. So you could just look at the caller ID on the side and then just hold it up to your ear and you've answered the call. That right. would have been amazing. Yeah, I agree that something like that would have been cool. And it, I, it's so hard to tell what they're doing software-wise because we have the original Duo that's still on Android 10. And who knows if that's ever going to be updated. They never even mentioned it. So. Well, and, and they made such a big deal with the original Duo of how hard they worked with Google to make the software great. And they're going to keep it updated and keep it great. And none of that ever materialized. So... I have a feeling they sold five of them and <laughs> nobody wanted to eat crow. So they were just like, let's just um, let's put this on the wayside. Maybe nobody will notice and we'll launch a better product next year and do it better next time. <laughs> I just I, I just know if if I'm the average consumer and I get on the Internet and I start seeing ads for phones that 
can fold in half. And I'm like, whoa, this is cool. It's like my old phone 10 years ago. The first one I'm going to buy is the flip. Yep. Then if I want to go sure. bigger and and premium, I'm going to look at the fold long before I look at a Surface Duo because it's, you know, just not hip. It's not cool. It doesn't look fun. Yeah, I still want to play with the Flip 3. The Surface Duo 2 is one of those things of it. It would be an interesting experiment, but it would definitely be a tertiary device, not a primary. And for most people, spending $1,500 on a tertiary device just isn't going to fly. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know why anybody would buy this as their primary phone. Um, I think it would work if the software has matured to the point where it's reliable and all tablet apps work nicely and that the spanning feature actually isn't garbage, then you could probably use this as a tablet, but then you're spending $1,500 on a tablet. And in that case, you might as well just buy an iPad Pro. And the 11-inch iPad Pro with LTE is still less less than this. So I I don't see how they're going to continue this. Um, It's a vanity project for all intents and purposes. And... I don't know if it's because they were intending to use this as like a showcase for their technology that would eventually have launched in the in the Neo. And then without the Neo, this just stands kind of awkwardly on the side in their <laughs> product lineup. Um, but it really, even with this update, like I can't really see it garnering as much attention, especially as Jerry mentioned with how strong Samsung's foldable lineup has been this year. Like the $1,000 Flip 3 is just the mainstream foldable and the Fold 3, Nick and I can attest, is just a solid phone from end to end. And you really don't realize how, like there's quirks to it for sure, but like you adapt to those really quickly and then all of a sudden you just realize after a month or so, you have a massive 8.3 inch um screen in your pocket that you use all the time or seven (laughs) whatever how many inches it is and you're just like this is incredible but regular use i don't ever i I really don't open that screen very often i just use the main screen on on the front for quick replying and stuff like that and it's just it's like two in one it's a it's i cannot see anybody buying a duo two over a fold three even though it's it's a little bit cheaper i you, you know what I really want to see, though, maybe for the Duo 4, uh, Windows 11 with a cellular modem. That gets Microsoft back into making their own quote-unquote phones. And I think Windows 11 could be slightly more productive than Android for the right people. And since Microsoft wants to go after productivity, get your business done, Maybe that's a better look for them. I, I don't I don't know. I just oh. know I would be much more interested if it had Windows eleven on it. Yeah, and, and Windows eleven and ten too already support Sims. So Yeah. There's that stuff is already there. They would just have to have, you know, the dedicated dialer app and all that stuff. I don't know what kind of framework they need to build into Windows for that to happen, but maybe it's not a stretch. Yeah, they would just, just put Skype. Skype on it and call it a day. That's my, well, at this point, probably Teams, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the Teams phone for your team. 
God. <laughs> so, I mean, let's keep on this foldable topic for a second and just address the pixel fold elephant in the room. So there have been rumors and minor AOSP leaks around a foldable that Google is working on. This week, a second foldable dubbed Jumbo Jack was spotted running Android 12.1, which is a a software version that we're expecting to launch alongside the Pixel 6 in October. And what's interesting about this is that there have been no Pixel Fold visual leaks, right? We haven't seen anything except for concept renders. And unless Google has done just an incredible job keeping it close to the chest, not allowing any carriers or any QA people to go into public and and get, you know, and show this off. It's possible that it's not really a for like it's not a production product yet and it may just be a testing product that they're using in-house and eventually next year they're going to launch foldables. Jerry, what's your take on this because we now have evidence of two foldables being used within Google running next-gen Android software. And that's basically all we know. Yeah, exactly what you just said. I, I am 99% confident that what, however many foldables Google is working on, they're just one or two, three test devices in an engineering lab somewhere because, you know, it's going to take a lot of work for Google to make Android itself just work on a folding phone. Look, look how much Samsung is in a Fold 3. Uh, you know, Google has to integrate that into Android without it breaking everything else. So they have to have the actual physical devices to test that on. And and I don't, if, if we were going to see a, a Pixel Fold for sale within the next six months, there would be more than just one or two of them laying around. Somebody would have had pictures of them by now. Yep. That's, I think if they show off a foldable in October, it's just, okay, this is what we're working on. We'll have a proper announcement for that, like next year, like in like March or May. I could see them saying, okay, here's what we're working on for the Pixel Fold, and you're going to get more next year at I.O. Yeah. And there's also part of me that thinks that uh, a folding device is where Chrome and Android do merge. Yeah. You know, we everybody's the word Andromeda and fuchsia. fuchsia and everything has been kicked around for years and years and years. It never happens. Maybe this is where it has to happen. I just don't think I, I don't expect them at the Pixel 6 event to say, oh, and by the way, one more thing. Now you can buy a folding pixel. Boom. Mic drop. Walk off stage. That's there's, not going to happen. There's no way. <laughs> the closest we get to that is, oh, you can pre-register for more information about this device yes. as it becomes available. Yep. Yes. And if you're interested in developers, here's, you know, a, a schedule for sessions and blah, blah, blah. That that That's feasible. So on on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is the Pixel 6, which we know is coming. We not only have seen information about it, but Google has a dummy unit at its store in New York City, which we've taken photos of. And now the first live video, it's an eight-second video of somebody just twirling the Pixel 6 around in his hand, no context. It's just a welcome to, the, welcome to your Pixel um, screen 
you know, when you first turn on the phone. Um, But this is the first time we've seen it kind of used in the real world. I, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but this seems like, Actually, is this the Pixel Six Pro? Because it has three, it has three yeah, uh, cameras on the yeah. back. It's the Pro. I yeah. I, for me, that that waterfall display just kills me. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit more curved uh, than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's disappointing. Is it sad that I'm still not convinced that was an actual like real functioning phone and not just it was uh, a mock up for a store that had something uh, had that had like I mean, the welcome text of "Welcome to your new Pixel" printed on the screen. N- was not a production Pixel 6. Yeah. Because the logo on the back is what Google uses for pre-release testing engineering devices. Right. It's an engineering sample for sure. Right. But the question is like, that is probably fit and finish. I'm sure. A, yeah. a production unit. I mean, we've already seen the, we've seen the dummy units that are at the Google store. So we know design is finished. Google showed off the design in August. So what we all want to see now is not what the outside of the phone looks like. It's all going to be the inside, how Tensor performs, how the software is going to be improved for the Pixel line with Android 12.1 or whatever is going to be the case for that software that we get in like three weeks now, right? I mean, Pixel is usually like the middle of October. Typically, they announce it like what, first week of October and then release later in, in, in the month. So we're there's a there's very good reason to think that the phone will be announced on October 19th and released on October 28th. Those are the those are the rumors that we've heard. Um, there is a Telstra site that posted uh, sign up for more information about the Pixel Six, and then in the in the fine print it said um, register before October 19th, which is always the indicator of the day before. <laughs> It yeah. gets announced. So it's either the, the 19th or the 20th. But either way, I mean, we're, as of recording, we are only a, a less than a month away until the announcement, which is extremely exciting. And what it'll mean is that when we look at the October 4th, rumored October 4th Pixel or uh, Android 12 release for wider Pixels, um, older, older Pixels, then we're expecting a three-week delay until Android 12.1 is likely available for the Pixel 6. And, I mean, given the fact that, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but it does not feel like Android 12 is that finished yet, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean that the Pixel 6, like some earlier Pixels, may launch with a little, little you know, a few more bugs than, than typical, maybe in the last couple of years. You know what I think is going to happen there? I, I think they're going to strip what, just doesn't work visually out of the Android 12 full release for older phones. And when you get your Pixel 6 and turn it on, it's going to update to 12.1. Mm, interesting. They, they they did that with, it was either the Pixel 1 or Pixel 2, and they've done it with several Nexus devices that, you know, updates came out before the phones that, you know, debuted the new software. And it was a out of the box OTA, and it made it work. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm in that camp too. Especially since so much of the stuff that we don't think is working is related to UI. I could see them scaling back certain things and then tweaking them in 12.1. But the problem with that would still be that all the manufacturers they go and they run with 
Android 12. They don't wait for point one before they update their devices. Yeah, but look look at what Samsung is doing. Samsung is able to make the UI on the Galaxy S21 look better than the Pixel 5 uh, because they take what Google provides and add to it. Uh, they don't need, Samsung doesn't necessarily need a 12.1 to fix the interface and, you know, address some bugs. Whereas, you know, maybe Google does. I don't That's know. That's true. So long as we don't end up with the same nonsense we had with gesture navigation back in Android 10, I'm fine. Oh, we will. We'll have something just as bad. <laughs> so uh, let's, you know, hold our breath, hope that the Pixel 6 launch goes well. Let's move on to our our last topic, which is um, I, I thought I thought we'd spoken about it last week, but we it was under embargo until Monday, so we didn't speak about it with Lisa. Um, but I wanted to talk about this announcement that OnePlus and Oppo are combining their software and OS development resources into a unified operating system that will launch with the OnePlus Ten in early 2022. So. We already knew that they had taken Color OS and one and Oxygen OS and put it into a single um, kind of like a, a, a GitHub or whatever, however they use to to um, you know compare versions of Android. And they had said that it went well. The integration originally went pretty well. Now they've taken that a step further and formalized this plan to create as an end. Unyet unnamed as yet unnamed unified operating system. Nick, um, what is your thought on this? Because Color OS and Oxygen OS could not be further apart in terms right. of user experience right now, <laughs> and yet they are aiming for an early, if not like February or March 2022, United uh, launch for this. That's not that far away, right? So I think um, we've established, right, that we are getting Oxygen OS 12 in a few weeks, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's what we would expect from that. So this new one going forward, oh boy, I don't, I'm trying to even remember all the stuff that they said, because we've had several discussions on this. Um, I think they are keeping a more, uh, I guess we'll call it Chinese version of the OS that they have sort of always had that is Google free, et cetera, et cetera. I don't remember if they're calling that the same thing, but they still sort of have that separate, I mean, what color OS sort of was for a long time, right? Um, yeah. Or or even, uh, what was it, hydrogen on the OnePlus side. Right, so, and that, that also went away. Right, that's what I mean. So like that that kind of stuff is still in existence, or at least will be when this happens. And then the rest of the world, I suppose, gets this new hybrid, whatever they're going to call it. Um, that's going to have a new name, which I think is nice because it at least differentiates it. Um, I, I, what they were telling us, I believe, was that the customization of Oxygen OS, so the unique features that people expect, the customizability, all of that stuff is going to be in this, whereas you're going to have a more stable base that ColorOS always had. So you're talking maybe less bugs, uh, less little issues, fewer little issues here and there. Um, just things like that. So I, I I think they could improve it. I mean, I can't say I was ever unhappy with Oxygen OS. Like, maybe when it first came out and it was 
pretty light on features and it was missing some really obvious things. But especially in recent years, I can't recall a time where I've been like, this is terrible. I've got to get rid of it. Got to redo it. Uh, obviously, on their behalf, if they're going to combine these companies, it makes no sense to continue to develop separate things for all these separate product lines. It's like we were talking about Apple before, right? You don't want too many different lines because then you're stuck paying all these people to do different things. You got, in this case, it's just software. So it's not the additional manufacturing processes that are going to add to, you know, take away from your bottom line. But I I think they could do a good job. I, I'm just using ColorOS in the past and the issues that it's had in terms of design. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm hesitant. I'm very hesitant, very hesitant, because that's always been the thing that kills Oppo phones for me. I'm like, I, I think back to like the the Find X or 10, or I don't know what the X was for, but, um, you know, phones like that, that were super interesting hardware. And then I use the software and I'm like, man, this just uh, <laughs> every, every it's time. It's better now, but it's not that. Yes, it's not I, much I know, better. I know. But and, and it's the same with, like I said, with Oxygen, it was you know, when it first started, it was like, okay, well, we're missing like half of the things that it feels like stock Android has, but whatever. But still, that history of these things are terrible because they're following a certain design language and they don't want to accept different things. I feel like that part is going to get solved in this because they have actively said they are going to take the strengths of Oxygen OS and add them to the strengths of Color OS. But I don't know. I, I I think this is important for the 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 market that they want to compete in. Sure. Uh, it's if anything, Samsung taught us that Western markets like a different UI than Eastern markets, and that's just how it is. Everybody has different preferences. Uh, you know, if they merge OnePlus and Oppo's software conglomeration into one thing that is generally well accepted in, you know, the Middle East, Eastern Europe, Asia. That's a good thing for for everyone, uh, especially the two companies that don't have to spend twice as much money. Yeah, for sure. I think the competitor part is probably the 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 biggest piece that we need to pull from this, right? Because OnePlus has expanded significantly over the past three years. Um, you know, they I would say they probably have a pretty decent business in North America now. So you can't alienate that crowd. Right. But at the same time, you have a lot of people in the rest of the world, maybe like you were saying in, in the eastern markets who like a different UI that they also need to tailor to. So I don't I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting seeing what they're going to do customization. I mean, maybe they yep. offer all of that stuff in one OS and they go, hey, here's one OS you can pick between like we have with launchers, right? You can pick the, quote, simplified launcher, which just drops a bunch of apps on your home screen like an iPhone, or, you know, go with the app drawer style. I mean, that that concept is not uncommon in the market, and it's certainly not on only a few phones. If anything, there are fewer phones that don't offer that sort of thing. Maybe they'll go back to like it used to be. You download an app and just flash Cyanogen Mod to your OnePlus phone. Yes. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> hey, that Those was what... were the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the best time to be a total nerd with your phones. Oh my gosh, it was great. 
And the drama with Cyanogen Mod and OnePlus. Oh Ooh. my lord! So oh, much man. good, so much good quality content came <laughs> out of that fight. It really was just incredible. It was fantastic. So here's the, I, we have no idea what this will look like. OnePlus and OnePlus and Oppo are promising quote that the two that um, they're going to aim for the same quote underlying values and pursuit for products fast and smooth, clean and stable, and it will combine the strengths from both systems, the stability of ColorOS and the simplicity and smoothness of OxygenOS. I would not call ColorOS particularly yeah. stable, nor would I really <laughs> emphasize its stability over some of the other features that it has. Like ColorOS is one of those Chinese operating systems based on Android that throws everything at like the kitchen sink at it. Like the, you can do anything on this OS and there's so many settings and there's a lot of cruft that have been carried over from just older versions that they haven't gotten rid of. The one thing I will say about oxygen OS is that it's always felt relatively lightweight. Um, over the last couple of years, they've added a lot of new features, but it still doesn't feel bogged down the way color OS does. I hope that they, they put more of, Oxygen OS than Color OS in the unified version, but we will see. the The last thing I will ask you guys is to predict what you think the new version name will be, because that's always a fun game. Based on the fact that one is called Oxygen OS, and the other one is called Color OS. So, any ideas? Any predictions? Carbon monoxide OS. <laughs> uh, that's that's probably not going to happen. I'm willing to bet they just stick with color OS because color sounds so? vibrant. It sounds vibrant and color and colorful, but it also sounds like it's something that's a little bit more customizable, a little bit more unique, which is something that OnePlus and Oppo have kind of prided themselves on with their theming styles. Yeah. Nick, any predictions? I kind of wonder if they're going to stick with the the elements theme like I can't think of one right now, but you know, maybe neon or something just to so sort of combine the two, right? Oh, don't give many ideas. Radon OS. Radon yeah. OS. <laughs> It'll kill you, but uh, you can't smell it. That's so right. I thought that they would like they would they would take kind of the the they would, they would stick with a a visual side as well as an element side and call it Clear OS. But then I just looked it up and I realized that there's a Linux distribution called Clear yeah. OS. So that's probably not going to happen. Um, I, you know, I, I can see them. I think Air is right. Color OS just is a really great marketing term. It's pretty good. Why, why, why dump it? If, and nobody if, in North America knows what it is, so it could just be adapted. Yeah. They could reboot it. Clear I'm OS just, I'm just curious how very outspoken OnePlus fans are going to like it when it debuts on the first phone here in the States. Oh, Yeah. And they also confirmed that there will be no T variant this year, so no OnePlus 9T. They will launch a OnePlus 9 RT. We know this, but it's not going to launch in North America. So there is that. Hey, you know, it, it, give Harish three days, and he'll have the new color OS, and he'll have, oh, check it out. It's great. Harish just, he knows everyone. Yeah, he's working on it. He's working on getting <laughs> oh, Oxygen OS 12 already. Um, we're, we're not, we're not, allowed to write about it yet because it's still uh it's a closed closed version and we can't publish anything on it but i think he's been using it for like so a month already 
ch- chunky nerd on Twitter. If you're really, really interested in this, that's that's the man to to follow because he knows more about it than OnePlus and Oppo do. That's right. All right. Well, that is it for the content of the show. We're gonna. Uh, we didn't have a, a a section. We didn't have our "What's Making Us Happy" segment last week, so we're gonna come back to it this week and end the show on a high note. So, Ara, what is making you happy this week? Uh, Star Wars Visions, because Star Wars plus anime equals awesome. Uh, I've watched all but the uh, the Elder, which is the second episode that triggered it. But I I liked a lot of the episodes that I saw. I ended up liking the um, black and white one way more than I thought I would just because of the storyline. Um, but such unique styles, like each of these anime powerhouses was able to just bring like, okay, we know what our flavor is and we know... We are absolute nerds. So we're just going to bring everything and throw everything that we can at it within the 12 or 15 minutes that we have. So um, Trigger did an episode that was called The Twins, and it looked exactly like everything you would expect Studio Trigger to do. Um, And then there were some that were... uh, There was one that was a total send-up to... um, Crap, Tezuka or something? I'm trying to remember the actual name, but the, the creator of Astro Boy... And it was just the most adorable thing you've ever seen. So I, I've loved it. I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody else says about it as more people get time to watch it. Because even though the episodes are like 15 minutes, but if you watch all of them, that'll still be like two hours, I think. So watch them. They're good. Enjoy them. And uh, don't expect... If you If you have an episode that you really, really like, please tweet about it. Hashtag it. Because I'm willing to bet that Visions is something like, okay, this is going to be our seeding ground the way that What If is. If we like anything in this series, it, if anything succeeds enough in this series, it could probably go into canon or it could get a full series run. Because Visions has been one of the better stories that we have seen of Star Wars in the new era. I mean, it does look beautiful. I haven't seen any of the episodes yeah, yet. I'm gonna, but- I'm going to watch it today. Definitely they all on have my different list. art styles, which I both love and hate because some of the art styles I'm not a huge fan of, but some of them are absolutely like so cute and cuddly and amazing. Um, my favorite episode was The Village Bride, which a lot of people are liking due to the uh, art style and the music. The music was amazing, but uh, they're all great. Please go watch them. And they're all available right now, unlike the typical Disney thing, right? Yeah, they're all on Disney+. Plus. Which, which I not... thought was super interesting. Is they, we don't have to wait. <laughs> oh, they weren't going to make us wait for this. These are these are shorts. They're, it's not like you're getting nine feature-length movies. Yeah, you never know. All right, well, that is Star Wars Visions on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Nick, what's making you happy this week? Well, since we didn't cover the two VR games, I, I guess I could talk about those. I also could talk about the fall weather because I woke up today and it was 50 <laughs> degrees outside and it was just glorious oh my Shut gosh your mouth. i God was so happy <laughs> quit so, shoving him yeah. in my face it was 90 degrees yesterday i'm sorry <laughs> i i don't i don't mean to um yes yes so, you do yes right, you whatever. do because well, i flaunt my great weather at y'all all winter yeah well whatever we we disagree on that front that's for sure there's a reason i left <laughs> orlando <laughs> there's a reason a lot of people leave orlando but Disney is here, so that's all the reason I need. 
Hey, fair enough. Um, yeah, the other two things I have the um, I, I did a hands on for Unplugged, which is an air guitar game on Quest, which uh, I know Daniel doesn't believe me, but it is legitimately the first hand tracking experience I've used that. Uh, well, it actually works. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> most hand tracking things are like, oh, this is cool. And then the second you try to do something, your hand gets glitchy and then and then it just turns into frustration. And it, it, the novelty wears off very quickly, right? This one, on the other hand, I think it's because of how you would typically hold a guitar, right? Your hands are facing you. The camera can see your fingers. So as long as you have a well-lit room, you shouldn't have any issues. Well, no, no, no. You're not supposed to look at your hands while you play guitar. No, no, you don't look at your hands. The cameras okay. that are on the bottom see them. I'm just saying like... Oh, I the, see what you mean. Yeah, the okay. cameras can see your hands, Right. I, I pictured you having to look down and stare at your hands to. I mean, well, you you no. do you do look. I mean, it's like a Tar Hero, right? So you're looking at the notes coming towards you. They line up with the fretboard. Like you put your hands where the notes go and you strum. But I don't know. It's just it's done in a way that is really unique. It really works. It does sound really neat. Yeah, and they, they just announced uh, it's coming out in a month. I think it's got like 10 songs when it comes out. I'm, I imagine they'll probably do more. This is a little in, indie studio that started developing this. Got picked up by one of the VR publishers, and you know it's now turning into like a full-fledged title versus just effectively a tech demo with you know maybe in-house music or something. I'm still not giving you my money, Facebook, but this does look really neat. <laughs> it's, yeah, can't, can't blame you there. Um. All right. Well, that those are I, look. I I still don't believe you, but I, I guess I'll play it. I guess I'll try it. Um, what could go wrong? All right, um, Jerry. What's making you happy this week? That I'm here, sitting in this chair, and not in a hospital bed. Uh, I, 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 I you know, a lot of people probably don't know. I'm I'm in a wheelchair, and I'm also a stubborn dumbass who thinks that. It doesn't matter if I, yeah, it doesn't matter if I'm in a wheelchair, I'm going to do what I want. And sometimes that backfires and I had a really bad fall getting out of the tub and I was stuck and there was nobody around to help. I had to wait, get some help and everything turned out okay. They're pretty sure I have to go get some images taken. My, I have that, it's a sexy injury if you're a football player, it's MCL, but when you're just an out of shape middle aged middle aged man, it's a uh, not sexy at all. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> sexy about anything related to yeah. that because that that's an ankle injury, right? No, it's it's in my knee. So maybe it's not it's not the ACL. It's the one on the other side of the knee. Ah, but, but uh, yeah, no, n- nothing sexy about that because nothing in there can break without just there being immense pain. No, but if I was twenty five year old super in shape football player on on the sideline and crutches signing autographs, it'd be a whole lot better than whining and bitching that my knee hurts so much. But uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I couldn't get any help, and it was all because I, I never thought make sure I had a smart assistant in all the places where I might need one. And I had two Google home Minis still in boxes because it seems like Google will just send you one 
if you buy another product. So I, I've had them here and I've since put it in, in, in the bathroom and made sure that it works because I was inside a bathroom with a shut door. I had a, a Google home in my bedroom, a couple doors down with a shut door. It couldn't hear me and I'm stuck there. And I, I realized that most people listening don't have these sorts of mobility issues and you wouldn't have been stuck. You could have crawled somewhere and gotten a chair and at least found your phone or something, but but I wasn't. I, I was stuck there and couldn't do a damn thing. Uh, and that would have been such an easy thing to solve had I had the foresight to make sure that because of my condition, anywhere in my house, I can yell the magic word and text my wife or call emergency services or something. And I did not do that. And if you're... In, in any type of situation where you might find yourself needing help. I don't, I, I'm not shilling for Google here. I don't care if it's an, an Amazon device or a Facebook portal or a, you know, an Apple smart speaker or even Bixby, whatever. If, if you have the means to get those where you can be heard in your house, trust me, do it. It was a miserable Saturday because I spent the entire day waiting stuck and it didn't have to be that way so learn from a stubborn old man's mistakes which i learned too i i I finally learned i can't do everything i'm still going to try but i I can't do it so take this as a, a bit of advice from you know somebody who's been there and really screwed up and shouldn't have screwed up and who should know better because of what i do for a living and didn't do it but I've done it now and you should do the same if you think you'll have a need for it. And even if you don't have the money for smart speakers, at least please, please have okay Google set up on your phone. Yeah, my, my phone was in on my dresser. Because I was I was going to take a bath. I didn't take my phone with me. You know, that's that's I just it was it was a mess. And I'm probably never gonna take my phone into the bath. But if there's a, you know, a little speaker sitting on the, you know, the counter beside the sink, of course, to try not to get it wet. I could not only use it to play some music, but I could also scream at it if I find myself stuck. And, uh, you know, I'm OK. I, 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 I heard a little bit. It's my own fault. But a lot of things could have been made much easier had I used a little bit of foresight. So that's why I'm sharing with you guys. Well, I am very happy that you are okay. More than anything else. Yeah. You learned from this. You're, you know, you, 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 you <laughs> think you're going to be less me, stubborn for a minute and then you're not. But ultimately, you, <laughs> the fact that you're okay is the most important you, you've thing. You've been telling me for years that I'm a dumbass. And because, Jerry, you know you can't do that. Jerry, Jerry, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself, Jerry. And, I, and, and you know what? I should have listened to you years ago. Yes, you should have. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel really good. Finally, the uh the 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 validation that I deserve. Um all right, well this this is going to be a bit of a different one. Um it's not necessarily what's making me happy, but I do have a bit of an announcement. This will be my last show uh recorded with the Android Central podcast. I am leaving Android Central tomorrow. The 24th is my last day. By the time you hear this, I will have made an announcement uh, publicly. So um, just a couple of things. I'm heading to a a new exciting opportunity. I'll 
tell people about that next week. Um, but I just want to say, I know how fervent the re- the listenership is for this show. I know that when Phil went off and did his own thing and left Android Central podcast to me, it was a, there was a a very big transition. Phil is a very different host to to me and there was a lot of criticism at the beginning and i i totally understood it and i take it to heart and i really want to say how grateful i am for everybody who stuck around over the years and who give us constructive feedback and tell us who they want to hear and what they don't want to hear and it's made us a better podcast we got chastised for not being consistent so we became consistent we got chastised for having episodes that were too long, so we tried to cut them back. We had episodes where uh, we didn't have enough back and forth, and we tried to improve that. And I think we've made this show exactly the kind of podcast that you want to hear, and that's why you keep coming back every week. And I am so, so grateful. Um, I also want to say that I'm leaving it in good hands. This this group here, Nick, Ara, and Jerry, will be continue to be your regulars. I Ara and Nick are going to divide the hosting duties and hopefully they'll get new guests on that will make the show even better than before. And really, I don't want anything other than the fact that I won't be here to change because this is the best Android podcast out there. So I just want to say thanks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, for for sending in your feedback and your emails. And I just, I love this podcast and I can't wait to listen to it as a, as a fan, not as a host. So well, you know uh, that, we're going to invite you back, right? Whenever we have yeah, headphone stuff about, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I said next that about week. Andrew, too, and that's only happened like twice. So Yeah, but you, we're inviting you it. back next week, just oh, so good, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, as long as it becomes a paid gig now, then I'll be fine yeah. with that. I'll pay you in Surface Duos. Oh, man, that's that's <laughs> not bad, actually. That's a pretty good speaking that's gig right there. That's actually pretty, yeah. I don't yeah, know. you probably get 50 <laughs> could, bucks for them at the pawn shop. You could pay me in Surface Duos. <laughs> I mean, oh, wait, the Surface Duo or the Duo 2? Because no, the original the, Duo you can two. buy on, like, fire sale for 400 bucks right now. <laughs> All right, well, that is our show for the week. Uh, if you want to find more about Ara, you can find her at Ara Wagco. You can find Nick at Guanatu. You can find Jerry at GB Hill. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find all of them at Android Central. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. They will be back next week with another episode. Bye-bye. I don't want to say bye this week. You're going. That's not cool. Say goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Adios. Gonna miss you, Daniel.